Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. He leads away. Australia away. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Donaldson strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Welcome back to The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. We're back for season two, LJ. It's been a while, in case you forgot who we are. I am M. Colin. I do the social media accounts for the Aussie women's cricket team and the WBL. And I'm Laura Jolly. I'm the women's cricket editor for cricket.com.au. And we are absolutely pumped to be returning for season two. We had such a blast doing the scoop last season and we've got an even bigger summer of cricket ahead. Kicking things off with Australia versus India very shortly and we're so excited to be having Georgia Redmayne joining us today from Hotel Quarantine who's chatting to us about her call-up into the Aussie squad as well as a few tidbits from her time in the 100 as well. And LJ, it's been a while since we were recording the scoop. Seems like not much has happened since since we finished off. But what's the lay of the land? What's been happening in the world of women's cricket since we since we last chatted? Yeah, I guess things probably haven't gone as we really hoped. This time a year ago, we had a, a series that was moved in its entirety to Queensland. We kind of thought that would be it last summer. This year, we might be getting back to normal, but unfortunately, not just yet. So we did get the news the other week that the Australia-India series would be moved in its entirety to Queensland thanks to the uh, border closures going on and the lockdowns in Melbourne and Sydney. But the good news is we are still getting some international cricket really soon. That is definitely the good news. That's the way that, that's the way that we're going to look at it. There's always a bright side. And, yep, yep, as LJ said, we're a couple of weeks out from the series against India, which starts on September 21. And aside from that, it's been very quiet for the Aussie girls. They were meant to have a couple of camps throughout the, the winter. Couldn't do those because of, I think, someone was in lockdown at every point across the last six months. So they had a couple of cancelled camps. It's going to be interesting to see how they come together. India, on the other hand, have played South Africa. They've toured England. They've had some plays in action in the 100. So it's going to be interesting to see how these teams come out of what is a hard quarantine up in Queensland. No training, nothing, just 14 days for all 22 Indians and 12 of the 18 Aussies. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting one. We've seen vision of Maitland Brown, who <laughs> looks to be bowling into a cricket bag or bowling at a wall. So it's yeah, going to be very, very interesting to see how the Aussies respond to that. It seems like that's basically the default state of all of us at the moment, just 
permanently in lockdown. And anyway, while we're on the topic of that Australia versus India series, for those listeners in Queensland who are looking to possibly get along to one of the matches in Mackay or the Gold Coast, tickets go on sale to that to that series on Tuesday the 14th of September. And for the rest of us who are sitting at home, we'll be able to watch live on Channel 7 and Fox Cricket. And just quickly while we're on the topic of schedule changes and moving pieces all around the country, the WNCL is actually still penciled in to be starting on the 23rd of September, which is looking pretty unlikely for obvious reasons, LJ. Yeah, nothing's been confirmed yet, but you think when there's only those two games per team meant to be played later this month before they go off into their WBL groups, it's going to be pretty hard to get players quarantined or moved around. So we'll wait and see what happens there, but it, it does sound like that may be postponed. And we're also waiting on changes to the WBBL schedule too, of course, meant to start at North Sydney Oval on October 14. That looks unlikely at the moment, so... Where I think like everyone hanging out and waiting to hear how that season's going to come together. We will wait and see. So much deja vu. Anyway, on to that Aussie squad that was some really exciting news to get a few weeks back. There's a little bit to unpack. 18 players in the squad. First thing we want to say is a big congratulations to Megan and Jess Shute, who gave birth to their little baby daughter Riley a couple of weeks ago. So Shooter will be sitting out this series to spend time with her family. And it's also unfortunate that Jess Jonathan, she'll be another big out. So she's missing the series due to a leg injury. So there's some definitely some big holes to fill. And the big question is, who's, who's going to fill them? Like, there's lots of lots of bowling spots available. Yeah, they've really gone heavy on the pace bowling options for this series, which I guess makes sense when you've got a lot of players going through hard quarantine and a really congested schedule that's seeing 11 days of cricket packed into 20 days with the three ODIs, one test and three T20s. So it's going to be a big workload. So we saw, of course, Georgia Redmayne has come in. Super exciting. We love Georgia here on The Scoop. Yes. Alongside Stella Campbell in for the first time. Perhaps a bit of a surprise, bit of a bolter. Yeah. And Annabelle Sutherland and Maitland Brown have both returned from injury to rejoin the squad. Yeah, very exciting squad. Matthew Mott was saying uh, last week that simply with the load these players are going to be um, forced to play and like the training schedule and everything... They just simply won't be able to field their strongest 11 simply due to the schedule. So maybe we'll see a few shock debuts on the cards, which would be fun for us. Absolutely. And the biggest question first up is going to be who opens the bowling. It's a role that Megan Shute has done for many years. She did that along Taylor Volemic, um, alongside Taylor Volemic and Darcy Brown in New Zealand. So there's a few candidates there um, who could fill, fill that spot. Who do you want to see, LJ? That's putting me on the spot. <laughs> I, I think they might keep alternating Darcy Brown and Taylor Volemic. I don't know if they'll play them in the same 11 at this point. So it's then who joins them. Um, Annabelle Sutherland did do that job against New Zealand last mm-hmm. summer um, and has had a full pre-season despite missing that New Zealand series. So I would say she's probably the leading candidate right now, just having a bit more cricket under her belt than Maitland Brown has coming back from that really serious hamstring injury. Very good. Watch this space. We can't wait to see... See that all revealed. And the one one last thing before we get to Georgia Redmayne this episode, it's been a bit of player movement on the WBBL front. It seems like the Hobart Hurricanes are quickly becoming a bit of a destination club with a few big moves to the Canes. 
Yeah, they've continued to totally revamp their side. Um, they seem to do this every season, just <laughs> building a stronger and stronger list. They've secured Molly Strano down from the Renegades. Mignon Dupree has made the move from Melbourne Stars and Rachel Treneman across from the Thunder. But they're not the only club making the big moves, are they, Em? No, we've seen a few other big moves. Maitland Brown, after spending five seasons with the Melbourne Renegades, has uh, jumped across to the Sydney Sixers, so she's there to bolster their stocks, as well as Nicole Bolton. That was definitely one we didn't see coming. Nicole Bolton moving from the Perth Scorchers, a WA stalwart, moving to the Sixers. Bolts in magenta is something that will definitely take some adjusting. And likewise, the slight of Marazan Cap swapping yes. the magenta for the orange, which is a, a huge get for the Scorchers. And she joins an international group at the Scorchers where they will see Sophie Devine back for another season and Sri Lanka Shamari Adapadu. So the Scorchers, again, looking like they're just going to be very strong. The playmakers. The WBBL season is shaping up to be an absolute ripper. That's another thing we absolutely can't can't wait to get stuck into. But for now, enjoy a great chat with one of the newest members of the Australian squad, Georgia Redmayne. And we are so excited that our first guest to help us kick off season two of The Scoop is Georgia Redmayne. So we've watched Georgia tear it up for the Queensland fire. She's just fresh off a, a great campaign in the 100 with the Welsh fire. And she's just received her first Aussie call up. Thanks for joining us, Georgia. Thanks so much. So excited to be on, guys. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. So how are you going in quarantine? It's been a <laughs> pretty full on 10 days probably for you so far. Yeah, yeah. So day 10 of 14. So counting down the days, I think the first few days, they went really quick. Um, and then I kind of got into a bit of a routine. Um, luckily, Queensland Cricket have provided like a bike and some gym equipment. So that's keeping me busy. But I think I'm at the point now where all the days just kind of emerging into one and I'm not sure what's happened what day or the other. And um, yeah, it'll certainly be nice uh, to be out on Tuesday. Throwing a few balls or, or doing a few drills in there too? Yeah, uh, yeah, I've been doing a bit of juggling. I had like one of those um, balls that are attached to a string to like the wristband and I think that broke on about day five or six, so that was a bit heartbreaking. Um, uh, I've had like a little bouncy ball that I've been um, – I've created a little game with myself with my bat just trying to hit that against the wall as many times as I can. But um, Small things. Yeah, the little things, right? Um, and I, I'm, I don't think I have a neighbour next door. Otherwise, they might be a bit annoyed <laughs> with me. Um, yeah, I haven't heard anything from them if they are there. Oh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And so, Georgia, the first question we're going to ask you is something that's probably going to come in handy to a few of our listeners who are in lockdown around the country. So we want to know, we want to know some recommendations. Have you got a TV show you're hooked on or a book you're reading or any podcasts that you're listening to at the moment that you're, that you're enjoying? Yeah, the Scoop podcast is great. <laughs> Good answer. Highly recommend. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to come on again. That's <laughs> going through uh, the back catalogue yeah, in yeah. isolation. <laughs> Goes through all oh. the series one. <laughs> Yeah, no, good question. I haven't like I haven't actually been binging too much. Like I've been trying to keep busy with with um yeah, trying to you know have a bit of time on my balcony <laughs> outside in the sun, um and doing a bit of bike and, and strength workout. I've been I've been watching Australian Survivor on TV and I watched the the finale of The Bachelor last night. And I don't think I'd seen an episode for the entire series, and I think that's probably the way to do it. Just coming to the final. Definitely. Um, uh, what else have I been? Oh, I watched the um, the Mayor of Easttown. It's a Good little one. mini series on um, on Foxtel. Recently finished that. Um, 
And yeah, I'm reading reading a book um, actually given to me by Sarah Taylor over in the Welsh Fire. So it's called Sapiens. Um, it's like a nonfiction, um, but it's quite interesting. Iceland. Awesome. And yeah, so we wanted to talk to you about the hundred. Um, looking from afar, it just seemed like an amazing spectacle that was really embraced by the crowds. And it seemed like everyone was really pleased with how it went. What was your experience like over there? Yeah, it was great. I think um, it's definitely an experience I'm so glad that I was able to be a part of. Um, like, I think just like being the first of its like first season of that competition, I think it'll it'll really like grow and grow as the years go by. And I think it's probably surprised a few people by how successful it actually was and um, the way that I guess the public embraced it and, like I know for me, the atmosphere at the games is unlike anything I've played in front of before in terms of domestic crowds, um, you know, regularly playing in front of over 10,000 people and, at you know, some of the grounds that you, you grow up watching yeah. on TV. So like, you know, like the Oval and Edgbaston and um, unfortunately I didn't get to go to Lords, which was a little oh, bit sad, but, um, so. I, you know, a lot of the other girls did. So I was very jealous. Um but yeah, like I, the atmosphere is electric and, and the crowd gets so into the games and like, um, you know, the the way that, you know, they're able to have crowds is another um, <laughs> nice little feature. So I think like everyone there was just really embracing being back and watching watching live sport, which was really cool. And um, yeah, I think the statistics came out just like in the last week or so that I, I can't remember the exact stat, but there was like a huge number of, of people, like children and families, and there was their first ever cricket game that they'd actually gone and watched so I think it it was able to draw in a whole new audience and um I think the way that the exposure for the for the women's game was phenomenal so um yeah I think yeah like it'll only help grow the women's game over there and I think the competition will build and build and um I know everyone who was a part of it really enjoyed it yeah for sure it must have been nice to have a few Aussie Aussie mates over there did you keep in touch with those who are in other teams as well cross paths a few times yeah I did it was kind of like I remember before I go over I, I was getting in contact with a few of the girls just kind of comparing notes and that type of thing yeah. and, um cross paths I remember um so Laura Kimmins and I obviously flew out together from Brisbane um we met up with Sammy Jail and Bernsey and, and Ben Sawyer at Singapore on the way there so it was kind of nice having a little of a a little Aussie contingent and then we all parted ways at the airport. But, yeah, it's nice when you kind of go to games and you see a few familiar faces and, um, yeah, it's nice kind of having a, a nice little Aussie contingent there. And, and obviously, um, once the competition finished, we were all kind of cooped up in the same London hotel before we all, we all flew off again, depending on what our flight was. So, um, yeah, it's nice to be around them and a great kind of shared experience. And what did what did you see as the main differences between how the hundred operated and the and the WBBL back back here in Australia? Yeah, I think obviously it's a much shorter tournament. Um, there's only eight games, which was a bit of a shame. Um, would have liked to have played a few more. Um, but yeah, like the fact that they're all double headers, the way that it was structured, I think that worked really well for them, especially in that in that first season. And the fact that like I think they're amazed at the crowd numbers that were coming to the women's games and the fact that it was structured so closely to the men's picture too. So like, I think there was only maybe a one hour turnaround um, between the two games. So, um, and they'd have some live musical performance in the middle. So like, it was quite an event. So like you'd, you'd see like most people were coming in at least halfway into the women's game. Um, like quite a few just coming for the whole women's game and like, you know, they didn't really care whether it was the men's or the women's players. They were just really excited to go out and, and see a day of the cricket. So I think that worked really well. And obviously crowd engagement and, and, and numbers there was, um, was incredible. Um, 
WBBL is obviously a lot nicer having the 14 games. So you kind of, um, you know, you don't feel like if you lose three games, you're out of the tournament straight away. Um, so, yeah, and the fact that we have our own separate window now, I think is really good for, I guess, TV viewership figures. Um, but, yeah, we, you do kind of miss out on, on playing in front of those bigger crowds. And I think that was something probably the part of the experience that I'll remember most and just like having those high pressure moments and you can hardly hear your teammates around you oh, because wow. there's not many people. So, so um, cool. yeah, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, but yeah, I can't wait for WBBL. It's, um, I just like the, the longer competition and, and obviously playing at home is something that's really special. Well, we can't wait either. But before that, there's the huge series between Australia and India, which you are going to be a part of. Can you tell us a bit about when you found out you'd been selected in the Aussie squad? <laughs> yeah, I um, I got a, a message saying that Flegs had tried to get in contact with me and it was about 2.30am and I wasn't sleeping very well and I was like, oh, this looks important. I'll send a text <laughs> uh, message to him and just like, oh, hey, Flegs, um, heard you were wondering about my quarantine. Like I, I, I didn't really know if that would mean that I get selected. I was just kind of like, oh, I said reply and see if I get anything. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, he, he messaged me straight back saying, oh, are you free for a call? And I'm like, oh, probably not. It's 2.30 a.m., sorry. Um, <laughs> can we wait until the morning? And then I'm like, what have I done? Have I just, like, risked my chance of being selected? Surely you um, didn't go back to sleep after that. Yeah. <laughs> it sleep. took me a while. That The brain was racing a bit. But then I'm like, oh, I don't want to, like, be all, like um, – you know, really sleepy and just not on the point when I'm talking to him. Um, you know, you want to have a good impression. So uh, so then I, I um, called in the next morning once I woke up and um, obviously really excited. Um, kind of had hoped for it, but like, you know, also kind of resigned myself to the fact that it might never come. So um yeah, it was it was really nice and very exciting, and I kind of skipped my way down to breakfast that morning afterwards. So, um, yeah, just thrilled to kind of to be to be selected as as part of that squad. I think um, obviously, yeah, it's been a lot of hard work to get there, and yeah, I just hope I, I get a chance and um, get to to show what I can do. Yeah, we know your WNCL form for Queensland. It couldn't have been much better. Is it something that was on the radar for you at all or is it like a, a goal that you'd had at the, at, in your mind that you really wanted to achieve? The Aussie stuff or yeah, the, the Queensland squad. stuff? Okay. Oh, the Aussie um, squad. Yeah, like I think it, it's, you know, you grow up wanting to play for your country, don't you? And that's always kind of the end goal and I think maybe for a few years I've kind of been maybe afraid to say that that was what I wanted to do. Um but yeah, I think maybe the, the last few years I've definitely been pretty open, like I guess with my coaches that, you know, that's what I'm striving to do. I don't just want to be, you know, a state cricketer. I want to be the best that I can be and play in international level. So um, yeah, really worked hard, especially in the last season. And then like at the same time, like, you know, it's it's obviously a very strong team and, you know, they're, they're on a world record run of wins in, in ODIs at the moment and um, obviously very hard to break into, especially with a batting lineup the way it is and, um, you know, a couple of really good wicket keepers in there too. So, like, I guess for me it was always going to be a tough, tough team to get into. So I'd always – I'd kind of resign myself to the fact that, you know, I could keep scoring runs in domestic cricket and still never get a go, just, you know, the time that I'm playing in really. So, um yeah, it was it was really nice to to get that call and um, yeah, I guess get one step closer. So um, yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> 
And you had a, an amazing home summer last year and then went to the UK where you scored 187 runs. Has something clicked for you in the last couple of years that's helped you take your game to another level? Yeah, I think last season was huge for me. I think I had my best WBBL, like having the WBBL at the start of the season, I think that was um, kind of a real game changer for me, that series. Um, just, I think, kind of approaching it a different way to maybe I had previously. And I think um, being able to work with Ashnoki at Queensland and, and for the Heat um, together last year for the first time, um, just kind of the backing that he and the rest of the coaching staff gave me and and kind of, um, imparted in me such a like a self-belief that maybe I hadn't had before just to kind of go out with a more aggressive mindset and, and be able to take the bowlers on and not really worry so much about consequences or game situation that type of thing and I think that enabled me to just free up a lot and and discover that I did have a lot more shots than maybe I'd, I'd um you know probably let out the last few seasons so I think that was really good uh, for me to kind of yeah discover my potential in a way and um, yeah, kind of coming off the back of a pretty good WBBL season into WNCL, um, I kind of had that confidence with me and I've always kind of favoured the one-day format. So it was nice to kind of bring, I guess, more of that confidence and aggressive mindset from the T20s into probably my my preferred format historically. Um, uh, yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence. And I think, you know, playing with some pretty great players at Queensland too. It makes your job pretty easy when you're batting with Beth Mooney and Jess Donison and Grace Harris and Laura Kimmins. So, um, yeah, it's kind of you can you can play pretty well with them and, and work off them too. Yeah, nice. We're, yeah, we're so pumped for you, Georgia. And so aside from not being stuck in a hotel room, what are you most looking forward to about getting uniting with the Aussie squad and getting stuck in? Yeah, I think um, just like being a part of it. I think, you know, it's it's the international series, like, you know, I've watched them for so long. Um, and, yeah, kind of being able to be in and amongst the squad, that's, you know, as I said before, they're, they're kind of world beaters at the moment and on like a world record run in the ODIs. And, um, yeah, to be part of a multi-format series too is so exciting. Like, you know, always dreamed of, of having a baggy green and to be in that squad and, and potentially in the mix, hopefully. Um, that would be something that would be really special and like, you know, I can't wait to be in amongst the group of girls and, and learn as much as I can and try to contribute as much as I can on and off the field. Yeah, you've been part of warm-up tests before. Um, how have you found the multi-day format when you have had a chance to play it? Oh, yeah, I've loved it. I um, So I've played two now. The last So the last two Ashes series have been like in and around that Australia A group. Um, so we play England <laughs> for a couple of three-day games. Um which have been interesting experiences. I think the last one that we had, we got absolutely thrashed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I love it. I love, you know, the challenge of, um, you know, that kind of mul- the long- longer format and um, the tactical side of things. And it's a real battle versus the bowlers. But like, you know, at the end of the day, you're still there to score runs. There's no point sticking around if you're not scoring any runs. So um, yeah, just trying to know, I guess when to go and how to be aggressive in, in your own way um, is something that I really enjoyed. Um, and I think I found in those games, I think because I was um, wicket keeping and then opening the batting, I was like, oh, okay, this this might be why uh, keepers bat lower down the order. <laughs> because I remember, I think, um, we, you know, because they're always like a fixed toss. So the um, England would always bat first against, you know, the Australia A or CA 11 <laughs> that I was playing for. So I'd get to keep for about 80 overs and then I'd declare with like, you know, an hour left in the day and I have to go open the batting and I'd be exhausted. But, um, yeah, it was, it was always good fun. Um, you know, yeah, I was in, so that was all right. Um, but 
yeah, like I think I really enjoy like playing in the whites. You just kind of feel like you're you're going back to your junior days where you'd wear your whites and baggy hats and that type of thing. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And I guess you've been part of Australia race squads before looking on it, the Australian team is something you want to join. What about their approach um, has impressed you and the way they go about their cricket? Yeah, I think the way that they've kind of been able to like evolve over time, I think obviously they've been a very strong team for a very um, long period. Um, going back, you know, several like several years and several kind of World Cup periods and that type of thing. But I think the way that they bounce back from adversity too. So like that um, uh, 2017 World Cup over in England to, to bow out in the semi-final. I don't think they've really lost a game since then. Um, but like also recognise, you know, that they need to keep getting better and better and, you know, the opposition teams are getting better. So, you know, you can't just kind of rest on your laurels. You always have to kind of keep evolving. And um, I like the way that they just go out with a really positive um really positive approach, um, no matter, I guess, the format and, um, you know, always find a way to win. So I think that's the sign of a good winning team is that, you know, you can be in any position and, you know, other teams might have a player who's getting on top of you at times, but, you know, a champion team always finds a way to win from those situations, I think. Nice. And Georgia, you've spoken about what it would mean for you to debut, but further to that, what do you think you can offer this Aussie team and where would you like to slot into the 11 if, if, it's, if it's a chance? <laughs> Oh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, obviously, I like if I got any opportunity anywhere in the order, I'd take batting at eleven if I could. Uh, <laughs> if it got me a cap, um, I'll open the bowling. I don't mind. Um, <laughs> um, Go yeah, on. Like, I think. I think you know. I like to think. You know, I'd, I'd be happy to go anywhere. I'm kind of that person who just wants to contribute to the team and and do the best role that they can in the situation that they're put in. Um, and whatever shape or form that comes in, like I'm happy to adapt to whatever I need to do. Um, whether it's running the drinks, whether it's opening the batting, you know, batting at ten. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it is, um, bowling. Who knows. Uh, <laughs> I think they've got enough bowlers. I'm, I'm um, <laughs> they've got about 10 bowlers in that team. Um, but, yeah, like I'm happy to do anything if it, nice. if it gets me in that team. Um, but, yeah, like I think it's it's just awesome to be included in the squad for the first time. And as I said, they're a champion team. It's pretty hard to crack into it the best of times. So any way I can contribute, I'd be happy to do it. And we know you're a Lismore girl and – must be frustratingly so close yet so far for your family there who with the border situation but have you got some family and friends in Queensland who are going to be able to get along to those games oh don't tell me about the border it's (laughs) making me frustrated um yeah like obviously I think when the when I heard the games were in Queensland it was an awesome awesome news awesome announcement for me being in Queensland and means I wouldn't have to worry about any other border crossings or anything (laughs) after getting out of quarantine so that was great and um, yeah, being able to play, I think the majority of the games are on the Gold Coast. So like I've, I've lived on the Gold Coast for two years and I play all my club cricket here. So yeah, super excited about going to Metricon. Um, hopefully I get quite a lot of my um, club teammates and, and nice. from the Gold Coast Dolphins girls there. And um, yeah, if uh, if uh, the Premier Anna's listening, um, Palaszczuk. <laughs> Which um, she please obviously open. will be. <laughs> oh, look, every- Everyone's listening. Um, <laughs> uh, please open the border because, uh, yeah, like my mum my and dad and, um, 
yeah, they're based obviously in northern New South Wales, so only about an hour from the border, which is a bit um, oh. heartbreaking that, yeah, they probably still won't be able to cross even if double vaxxed and no COVID there anyway. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, look, that's kind of the way it is at the moment. But, um, yeah, fingers crossed things can change and, yeah, I can get more family in there. Otherwise, yeah, like, you know, I think, yeah, being able to, to play on the Gold Coast is pretty special anyway. And, yeah, obviously you want your family there, but um, if they can't make it, I think, you know, I've, I've still got a lot of people, fam- uh, like friends and teammates who, who are based up in Queensland who I'm sure will be around to, to cheer me on if I get out on the park. Mm, yeah, very nice. And, Georgia, the other thing we wanted to touch on, hopefully you're not sick of talking about it by now, is your other career as a doctor of medicine. So tell us what's the status of that at the moment. Have you sort of opted for more locum work as a way of concentrating more time on your cricket? Yes, uh, obviously I haven't worked too much uh, in the most recently, uh, <laughs> but I, um, yeah, like I, I was working at uh, Tweed Hospital kind of just on the southern end of the, the Gold Coast. So for the last um, two years, I finished up there in January, um, then had a little bit of time off, which was nice, kind of nice. finished up the cricket season. Um, and yeah, I did a, I did a locum job in Lismore actually um, for a month in June before I jetted off to the UK so um, that was nice kind of getting back in the swing of things but yeah um, yeah just doing more casual jobs as I can it's nice to be in the position at the moment where I can kind of pick and choose where and when I work so um, now that I'm registered and uh, you know like completed internship and and done my residency I can yeah be a bit more picky um, which frees me up a a lot more for cricket because you know, medicine will be there forever, but I can probably yeah. only <laughs> keep playing cricket at this level for, you know, it's probably a, a limited time frame. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to try to give cricket my best crack that I can in the next couple of years and, and see where it gets me. And, um, yeah, like when I get some time off in the off season or, you know, if any kind of free space opens up, I can, you know, pick and choose maybe some locum jobs there whilst I can, which is, which is really nice. It's probably the most in control I've been of, trying to balance the two careers that I have been ever before it's a lot of things like trying to work out like manage about you know five different groups of people and um, make sure that I'm ticking boxes and and keeping everyone happy so it's nice to kind of be in a bit more control at the moment that's great and for our final segment of the show we're doing a bit of a career quiz so we'll go back in time a little bit and test your knowledge on um a few things you've achieved over the the journey and test your memory how is your memory okay uh, pretty good, okay. I think. Um, but we'll see. I'll see right. how obscure these are. Yeah. Okay. Gone. Gone pretty deep. Not too deep. <laughs> All right. First question. Do you remember who you played in your first ever WBBL game? Yeah. So my first WBBL game uh, for the Hobart Hurricanes, I played against the Perth Scorchers at North Sydney Number Two. Nailed it. Nailed <laughs> it. Do you remember your in- involvement in the game? Yes. I why well, wicket kick kept and then I opened the batting got 20 something maybe pretty good 24 (laughs) well they get 24 okay you opened the batting with Hayley Matthews yes I did impressive Uh, she hit a six in the first over and I'm like oh this girl's good wow (laughs) memory is good yep (laughs) all right so um Staying with the WBBL theme, do you remember what season and where you were when you scored your first 50? Yeah, so it was the same season um, and it was against the Heat at Blunston. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Two from two. That's so good. That's so good. All right. 
Third and final question. So in the 2016-17 WNCL season, you became the first Tasmanian woman to score a century. Can you tell us who you were playing? And bonus points, if you can remember who was at the other end when you reached your 100. Yeah, look, this is I, I can definitely remember this. So we're playing the ACT um, <laughs> at Blunston. And I was starting with Burnsy. We had a really good partnership and she was absolutely smashing them around Um Again, another person I always love batting with. Um, oh yeah, I think we end up winning that game on the last ball, which is pretty cool. Something you don't forget. <laughs> Amazing. All right, we're going to have to make our questions a bit harder for the next guest. <laughs> Got three from three. Yeah, yeah look, um, yeah, look, I do have a pretty good memory and, you know, I just love cricket. So I just remember a lot of just weird stats and things. So, um, <laughs> good. yeah, I think, think you might need to up the difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Georgia, thank you so much for joining us on, on today's episode of The Scoop. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat and we wish you all the very best for your upcoming stint with the Aussie team. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Scoop and we hope you enjoyed our chat with Georgia Redmayne. We'll be back next Tuesday, but for now, don't forget to keep up to date with all the latest news and videos via cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Donaldson strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 